0: And now it is my pleasure to introduce our speaker for today. He is our own inspirational and beloved Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Welcome. So, as our tradition is, if you're here for the first time, welcome. It is my delight and honor to be with you today. just feel it in here. The energy just keeps building, huh? And so what we do is we sing a song, we say a prayer. So if you'd like to join me in that, it's a beautiful thing. You can stay seated if you'd like, or you can stand with me and sing the prayer, say the song, whatever works for you.
1: In this very room. In this very room, in this very room,
0: in this very
1: room,
0: so I invite you to know with me in this moment, as we choose it each and every time we choose to look to that interior expression of the divine, and wherever we look on this earthly plane, It is all God in expression. And so when I see that and I know that and I declare that and I declare that in the I am with you, knowing there is only one of us. And I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. But in speaking those words, one life, God's life, that life is my life, that life is perfect, and it is my life now. We are transformed and shifted in ways we cannot perhaps at times imagine. But we are reminded who we are and whose we are. Let us stand together this day. Let us come together. In the remembrance of that and declaring that we are here to be that divine expression of life in every way, shape, and form. We embody the qualities of the infinite. We take that out into our work life, into our family life, into all of our relationships. But first and foremost within, the transformation within that allows us to be that harbinger, that messenger, and that example of what a vitally alive life looks like, feels like, and expresses like. Nothing less than this. In my being is acceptable, and so each day is an opportunity for that to be my expression of myself upon this planet. So I give thanks, knowing that the infinite mind of the one knows far better than I, the highest and best for myself. And yet I know all of it, all of it is joyful and powerful and wonderful. Everything is shown up to inform me, to instruct me, to mold me and shape me. So whatever I must put down in this moment, it is made clear so that I may be the example of who and what I am on this planet those so desperately needs awake, aware, dynamic, powerful people living in their gifts and sharing those gifts unconditionally in the spirit of generosity like never before. For this I give thanks as I stand with you this day, declaring that I am alive and I am here and I am here for God. For this I give thanks. I invite you to say with me as we release this prayer, knowing it is done in the mind of the one, always. And so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. So are you feeling alive today? Are you alive? Yeah. So this side, I am alive. I am alive. This side, I am alive. I am alive. A little louder over here, I'm I, am I, am I, am I am alive. I am alive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, whew, we got that done. We can go home now. Dr. Ernest Holmes used to say, our founder used to say, what is important is that while we are alive, we live. And to live from that spirit and from that contagion of of joy and celebration, of unconditional participation on the planet at this point in time, is so vitally important to who and what we are. So we've been using um, Michael Beckwith's book, Spiritual Liberation, a wonderful book, just full of great, great information and insight. And none of it new, we all know these things, but it's wonderful to get it through a different filter. Teresa of Avila... Some know her as St. Teresa. She was a Carmelite nun. She lived in Spain. She said this, To be aroused by life is to let our hearts take us where they are needed. To let our hearts take us where they are needed. It is not a matter of thinking much, so do whatever most kindles love in you. So she understood that. She was a mystic. She understood that message. Do whatever kindles love in you. So what kindles love in you? And you know that it is healthy love. It is balanced love. It is harmonious love. And for many of us, we've had, we've had dysfunctional love modeled to us or what we think is love, which is not love. But we've had it modeled for us. So when we think of love, we need a whole different definition. We need a whole different experience of it. And what happens for us, we just simply need to say, I am willing. In fact, we can declare, I am so grateful and joyful that love is working in my life like never before. Let's say that. I am so grateful and joyful that. I am so grateful and joyful that. Come on, you guys. I am so grateful and joyful that. Love is working in my life like never before. Love is working in my life like never before. You can do that this week. You can do that when you forget. But you forget. Remember? See, this is one of the the levels of spiritual participation in life. We remember, and we forget. And we forget to remember. And then we go, huh, I can't do this. I'll just go back to what I know. But you learned what you know somewhere, didn't you? Didn't you have love modeled for you somewhere? I remember in grade two, getting down on my knees in the parochial school, one knee with my arms stretched and looking at Mary Mary Beth Cosgrove in the eyes and declaring my eternal love to her. (laughs) And then the slings and arrows of being, being reminded of that because we went to grammar school and high school together. So I got to hear about that for the next 10, 12 years. (laughs) Even when it wasn't true anymore. But at age 7, that's what I knew was love. The problem is many of us still live that age 7 love. To be aroused by life is to let our hearts take us where they are needed. There's an intelligence within us that knows. But many times we can't hear the language. It is not a matter of thinking much. So do whatever kindles love in you. Mary Oliver had this to say. Mary Oliver is a beautiful metaphysical poet. She's no longer with us, but her poetry is with us, so she is. She's off writing poetry somewhere else right now. She said this, You do not have to be good. Now, isn't that a relief? We don't have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for hundreds of miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. The soft animal of our body love what it loves. See, there's an integrity in us. There's a love in us. There's an intelligence that lives in us. And we access it through spiritual practice. Spiritual practice is to say, I am so grateful and happy that love is working in my life like never before. I am so grateful and happy that my health is just unbounded and powerful and wonderful. And each day I become healthier and healthier and fitter and fitter. And then what I'm guided to, there's going to be some things on this earthly plane I'm going to be guided to. But in making that declaration energetically, I'm shifted. Tell me more about despair, Mary Oliver continues. Yours, and I will tell you mine. And meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. And meanwhile, the high geese, high in the clean blue air, are headed home again. Isn't that beautiful, especially here? I remember when Doug Oscar... Doug's here today, aren't you, Doug? Yeah, thanks. There he is. He usually sits over there, so... That's the Doug Oscar section over there, but... Now it's over here, I guess. I remember I was standing outside one day with Doug and this Canadian geese flew across and I was just staring up at him. And Doug says, Pat, do you know why the, the, the geese are, that, that one line on the one side is longer than the other side? And I said, no, why, Doug? He said, because there's more geese over there. <laughs> I never forgot that, Doug. Every time I look up and see geese, I say, Doug Oscar. <laughs> it was so obvious. Doug was, lit. Doug was operating from his genius. And I was not. <laughs> Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. It offers your, to your imagination, to my imagination. And it calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and, harsh and excited. Over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. You know, the, this is what the universe is doing. It is announcing our place. In the family of things. We are all one. Each one of us is here. We have purpose. We have, we have gifts. We have skills and talents. Maybe some of them not yet developed, but we are here to share those. We are here to share those. So Michael talks about it. Michael Beckwith in his book, Spiritual Liberation, talks about it. He said there's three levels. There's, first of all, <clears throat> there's improvement. Improvement. New and improved. The new and improved me. Got up this morning at uh, 6.30. I haven't used a cuss word, bad word all morning. New and improved. Thank you very much. (laughs) Not much has happened. But I'm just saying. And I'm not saying I use it outwardly. But you know, all of us, you know, that that inward, that dirty, (laughs) but it's improvement. And improvement is good. It's necessary. It's the first step. We're not going to do the things we used to do in the past. It's bringing some awareness to who and what we are. And it's improvement. And improvement is important. It's like counting to ten before you get angry. Or counting to ten before you cut whoever you're going to cut off in traffic. You just wait a little bit now. You know, it's improvement. Delaying it. Delaying that tripwire for vengeance and revenge. Because we're hardwired for that. And if we don't have spiritual practice and we're not awake to it, if we're not conscious to it, we keep, we keep behaving from that. So improvement is kind of wishy-washy. There's not much foundation to it. And then we move to change. And change is about when, when consciousness shifts and behavior shifts, that's change. Change is good. Change is really important. And that's why we need spiritual community. That's why, I need, that's why I need mentors. That's why I need practice, because change is important. And that's what a lot of us are in this journey of change. But Michael says that the, the ultimate is to move from improvement and change to transformation. And transformation is, is uh, to have people that have gone before us and have been transformed. It's, it's powerful and wonderful. Transformation is it, simple. All the transformation costs, all that it takes... Is everything. Takes everything. But we're here to give everything. Because from the source that we live, it's endless. We don't think it's endless. We think it's limited. We think we've got to hang on. And we've got to protect ourselves. and We've got all these stories. You know, our stories. Michael says that yeah, we can tell our story. We can tell our story. I have a story for you today. I had a nasty raking accident over the weekend. And the band-aid keeps coming off. I wore a little hole here between my thumb and my pointer. Oh, I tell you, painful? Let me tell you about it. I thought I wasn't gonna be able to talk today. It was in so much pain. <laughs> I put Band-Aid after Band-Aid. Kevin gave me a Band-Aid after the first service. I put it on, slips off. So finally I went and put some, some green masking tape on it. Well, because the little girl told me on the way out, she said, from all that raking you did, you got a green thumb. I said, hey, that's right. So Someone got the green masking tape. I now have a green thumb. But I'll tell you about my uh, nasty raking accident. So we live, uh, we live over here in a street, and there's leaves in the yard. So uh, yesterday I said to Laura, come on, let's get our rakes out. We have three, and we got our son Davis. I said, come on, we're going to go rake our yard. So we raked our yard. We raked our neighbor's yard. And now I have a, an elderly gentleman that lives two doors down, and I don't know him. I've never talked to him. Never talked to this guy at all. But I, uh, two years ago, he's out there raking, and he's raking. And I go out about three hours later, and he's moved about six to eight inches from where he was raking when I saw him three hours earlier. So I knew raking was probably a challenge for him, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go over and rake for this guy. And so I went over, and I raked, it took me about 20 minutes, a small yard, and I raked everything up, picked all the leaves up, and I went home. and, And now he's never talked to me. He hasn't talked to me since, but I knew that it had an impact because one day, right after that, I'm walking out to my vehicle, and he's getting into his, and he glanced over at me for the first time in four years, and he went... Like that. I, you know what? That's progress, man. I was like, yeah. All right. Now, I did not do it. I didn't do it. I didn't even want him to know. So yesterday, I got this nasty raking accident going on. Somebody said to me, you should have wore gloves. I had gloves on. Anyway, you know that, that same motion? Anyway, got it all raked up. We packed the leaves, and I told Laura, I said, you know, this is, a, this is a wonderful random act of kindness, but I'll tell you what's important about it is if we can't do those things from that sense of joy and celebration, that sense of gratitude, we do it from a sense of obligation and resentment, we're not helping. We're not helping. And so when I, we went to do it, at the end of it, I said, doesn't this feel good? Because he wasn't there at all, you know, and, I, and so the fantasy I'm telling myself, you know, he's probably, next time I see him, he'll probably go like that at me. I'll get two from him. Who knows? Or maybe not. But for me, it was was transformative because I said, this is spiritual practice. If all of us, myself included, can find more opportunities in my life to give unconditionally, to give without reservation, to give knowing I give because I can, it's powerful. We we unleash, as Michael says in his book, we unleash a lightning bolt of of being, of transformation, of spiritual awareness, a lightning bolt into our lives. I'm for the lightning bolt. I'm for the transformation. Powerful and wonderful. Michael tells a story. This Today's talk is called The the uh, Shapeshifting. shifting, And shapeshifting, Michael had an experience. He went to West Africa. Took a group of people over there from his congregation at the Agape Center. He took them over and the neat thing about this is about four years ago, uh, Lacey Atkinson came. He was, he's a minister down in Oakland with Dr. J. Scott Neal, actually Fremont. And Lacey mentioned to us, Laura and I were traveling around town with Lacey, showing him Edmonton, showing him the sites, showed him the River Valley. We showed him the the mall. We showed him the river valley. <laughs> we showed him the mall. We actually took him to Jasper. Showed him the mountains. Anyway, he told us his story. He said, Michael had this amazing experience. You will not believe it. And he, said, and he, gave us, he didn't give us all the pieces. But so Lacey had, had sort of whetted our appetite when he was here. So Michael takes a trip to Ghana, western Africa. And he takes a group of people from his center. And they, they show up there. And one of the things that was unique about this is that these people had never been affected by Western missionaries. So they, they were not deculturalized from what they knew inherently about their sacred wisdom, this indigenous group, because there's a lot of sacred wisdom on the planet that doesn't all arise from the, the Middle East. You know, people have found their own spirituality in their own way, and if they've had the opportunity to not have it sort of contaminated or influenced in another way, it's quite interesting to watch. So Michael goes to this village with this group and this young boy comes up to him. He stands in front of him and says, Baba's, oh, Baba's ready to see you. And Michael said, Baba? It's Baba. He said, Are you the teacher from California? He said, Yeah, I am. Just come with me. So Michael tells his group, He says, Look, I, I'm going with this young man, I guess. So they hop into a taxi, and they take off to this remote village, and they get there, and there's a group of people around this hut in this small village. And Baba's in there, and he's the local shaman. And so what he's doing, he's, and Michael asked the interpreter what he's doing, he's working with this woman, and this woman has been married twice, but both of her husbands have left the area. And so what, what the chomp is doing is working to free her energy so that she can, she can find a new mate to live with her and be in partnership within the village. Doesn't that sound like spiritual mind treatment? When we work with practitioners to free our energy from an idea that we're attached to, we borrow their belief, we borrow their belief system so that we can move forward, and when we start to pick it up again and worry about it, because worry is, it does nothing to improve it, We say, oh, that's right, I surrender that. I ask so-and-so to pray for me, to know this for me, because there's only one mind. And when we're clear in that one mind, if one of us is clear about an idea, we can support another into that new experience. So here's here's this shaman, Baba. Finds out uh, Baba is 83 years old. His dad is a shaman in another village. He's 134. Must be the noni juice he's drinking. Anyway. Hi somebody crawling down the center aisle hey sweetie hi how are you? ah no I don't need that right now later thanks so anyway he gets to the village he's working with and he said you're next the interpreter says to Michael you're next so the shaman says Baba says to him alright you're going to spend three days with me here we're going to work on. there's some things I need to tell you and Michael says what are you talking about spend three days with you. I got a group I'm leading. I came from California. I told him we got a whole itinerary plan. He goes, no, no. He said, I sent for you months ago. I said, what? He said, I sent for you months ago. And He said, all right. I want to see where this goes. So Michael goes back, tells the group, I won't be here for dinner, but and I'm not sure when I'll be back. Have fun. And they, oh, yeah, go ahead. We're, we're, all, we're all good. Michael goes back. And the sun is falling, and it's nighttime. And Baba says to a group of his apprentices, come on, we got to go. So they all head off into the, into the jungle. And Michael said, it is as dark as dark. And he's tripping over roots and he's bumping into trees and he's tripping over bushes. And these guys are just striding along gracefully. No problem. No problem. And they, they reach a certain location and all of a sudden Michael starts hearing a voice. And he looks at Baba. Baba slows down and he said his whole countenance, his whole being appeared to transform before him. Now shamans are all about energy. Shamans can, this whole idea of shamanism to transform the energy... She's a fast crawler. <laughs> shamans are... Uh, shamans can... Tra- uh, the, the legend is they can transform energy. Well, th- Michael said this, this, sh- this shaman, Baba, could see the energy transformed before him. And all of a sudden, in a feminine voice, Baba says, English. And the voice that Michael had been hearing, all of a sudden, is in English, and he can understand what's being said. And the shaman, Baba, says to him now, my brother tree here has something to tell you. And so, Michael realizes the tree is talking to him. And he's just standing there taking it all in. And the tree told him that he would be one of the purveyors, harbingers of world peace, to help shift the movement for peace on the planet, to take it back to his community and the transmission that he received. And there were many other things he heard he doesn't describe in the book. But here's a story that Lacy's told us four years ago, and all of a sudden I'm reading about it in Michael's book, because it's interesting. So he said the interesting thing as well is that after he heard the voice, there was a light that came on. He could see the, 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 the uh, jungle floor illumined. And he had the same capacity as the people that were, were working with Bob and walking with him to see where he was stepping. So when he walked back to the village, he could see exactly where he was stepping each time because there seemed to be a light on And he realized for these, for these mystics, for these shamans, there was no dark and light. They created their own light. It was fascinating. It's in, the, it's in the chapter 7 about shamanism. And he talked about it being a once-in-a-lifetime experience. He talked about it. You know, and, 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 and so he got back to the village, and Baba said, you know what, I thought it was going to take three days. You were so sober and, and receptive to what was being shared. You don't need to stay the three days. Your, our work is done. You got the message. So he went back, and he joined the group. But he said it was a life-changing experience. And Lacey told us a bit more of the story afterwards, how the whole village honored him. Fascinating stuff, but it's energy. Here's a culture, here's an ancient culture that understands and connects and interacts with spirit in a way that it seems so foreign to us. Now, I don't want you going away saying, oh man, I'll never get this, the trees don't talk to me. <laughs> Maybe we don't need the trees to talk to us. Maybe the messages that are important for us to hear are, are here, they're always available to us. And that's one of the things Michael shared with us. That if you ask a question, if you, if you contemplate the nature of something, and if you listen, it will show up in a language, in a vocabulary, in a way that is so obvious and clear that only you will know, but you will know. And that's that process of being in that conversation. But it is the transformation. Michael talks about transformation in his book. I, just, I love some of these ideas. He also talks about three things around the energy. I'll share that first. First of all, there's three, there's three elements around this shape-shifting. One is the acceptance that energy is the cosmic building blocks and sustainer of all that exists. We are all energy. We know that. We know that from the, the quantum physics, the work that's being done by people like Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton. We know that we're energy. We're all energy. At the molecular level, we're energy. We're also consciousness. Number two it's the conviction that an individual may energetically influence his or her, her, her inner and outer world. We know that as well. Thought is creative. Why do we do affirmative prayer? Why do we move into a different, uh, a different experience? How do we do that? Well, we have to shift consciousness first. That's that change. Consciousness and behavior shift. Consciousness always precedes experience. Number three, navigating energy through one's intent is the best action necessary to shape-shift and bring about the desired transformation. Navigating that energy and understanding it's about shape-shifting. The same idea. We can do it physically. I'm much more interested in the qualities. When we hear about the alchemist, the alchemist would take the ordinary and turn it into extraordinary. So when we share our story, are we sharing it consciously or unconsciously? If we're bringing it up and we're, we're moaning and groaning, or as Michael would say, we're moping and coping. If we're moping and coping, we're just bringing that energy with us. It doesn't matter if it happened 20 years ago. It's, here, it's alive today. Or are we declaring the, that there's a blessing in the lesson? And a lesson in the blessing. Because it's all here to teach us. It's all here to teach us. So, setting the intention to transform. I am so grateful and happy that I have set the intention this day to be transformed. See that we all have gifts. We are all enlightened. We, right now, we're enlightened. We may not be living from that enlightenment, but we don't have to add anything to us. No one needs to bestow anything upon us. We don't need to go to Ghana and have the tree talk to us. You might have a neighbor that's giving you the signal. Go. I figure he's just saying, you go, boy. I, in fact, I keep having a, a dream now that I have one of those tractors with that picks up the leaves on the back. I could do the whole block, a couple of passes. But I don't want to make that too, uh, too powerful in my experience because it'll end up showing up, the way it works. I told someone the other Last night I was at a, a gathering, and I said to someone, well, I, you know, that's a great idea. Something's going to happen in a couple of weeks. And I said, that'll be great. I'll be there if God doesn't call me home. And I said, what am I saying that for? I'm home here and now. See, heaven is now. Heaven is upon this earth. Jesus taught that. Heaven, heaven is, up, is upon this earth and we do not see it. That's the vision of transformation. That's a possibility. We, we, we honor the teachings of Jesus. Our, what, the way we approach Jesus, is it is our opportunity and our privilege to live a Christ-like life from that consciousness. What he brought was consciousness. The way to God is through me. And for centuries, for hundreds of years, people have interpreted that as we must love Jesus more. Well, if you look at the world, and people loving Jesus more, what does it look like? Because I don't think he'd be too impressed right now. It's about embodying the Christ consciousness and living from that. And living an unconditional loving life. And I'm not saying there aren't good people out there doing that. There's, there's millions of them. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of, of conversation in the world that I think is, is a, at the level of an 8 or 9 year old. It's selfish, it's self-serving. It's the tribes I talked about last week. That tribe. I'm, I'm great and you're, you aren't. It's that tribe. Michael says this, a, genu- a genuine intention to transform is an invitation for spiritual lightning to strike and reveal our self-sabotaging habits. When you start to make this declaration about transformation, the habits will be revealed to you. And then bless them and love them. Say, is this getting me to my destination? Is this, Or is this a distraction? Successful people find something more interesting to think about than their bad habits and their addictions. Nothing wrong with having an addiction. It's just not a very big idea. And I only have so much mental energy and you do too. So how much time are we going to pour into that? A self-sabotaging habit is pointing us in the direction of what must be realized so that we may evolve into our next dimension of being. When challenges arise and we face them with absolute trust in the fundamental goodness of the universe, Tangible evidence is given to our trust in the process of transformation. Yes, there are bills to be paid. Yes, there are things that may be going on in the body temple at work or in relationships. But when we surrender to the evolutionary thrust of life by trusting, by having faith, we are given the wisdom to know that circumstances can, we call challenges and those we call blessings are both vital parts of the journey. And it's that faith, it's the trust to understand wherever we are is perfect and right by right of consciousness. But we're not stuck there. The facts of our life change all the time. The problem is we buy into the idea that I'm static. The world is static. I've never been successful. I've never had this. I've never had that. And what, and what does the universe support us in? Never. You've got the never, never consciousness going on. In spite of appearances, we are not left alone to make our transformation or discovery our true identity. Everything in the universe conspires towards supporting our self-realization. Everything is geared towards our self-realization. And self-realization is not some airy-fairy thing. We don't have to leave the planet. We don't have to give up our jobs. We don't have to give up our relationships. We have to bring consciousness to those things. Because this, this is our school right here. This is our curriculum. And, and bless the people that come into our lives. So I want to do an exercise with you. On Wednesday night, I'm going to do a shape-shifting exercise on Wednesday, Wednesday night service, 20 to 30 minutes. I'm really excited about that. I love Wednesday night because we can do more practice there. Sunday is more message-driven, and Wednesday is is more about spiritual practice. But I want to do a short exercise with you. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. This is an invitation, an invitation only. I'd like you to relax where you are. I'd like you to contemplate. Take Take a nice breath. Let's take a breath together. You take it in. Let it go. Feel your shoulders relax a bit. Feel your chest. Your body knows how and when and how much air you need. It's a beautiful thing. And what I'd like you to do is bless something in your life. Find something that's working in your life. One thing that is working in your life. And maybe it's, maybe it's down to the minute I'm breathing right now. But what is working in your life? And I want you to pour gratitude into that. Maybe your heart is beating. Maybe your blood is finding all the organs beautifully. That you're able to, to hear this beautiful music today. There's a blessing. That you're be able to hug someone today. Or love someone. Your heart is alive. Your compassion is alive. Whatever it may be, something works for each one of us. And in that energy, I want you to pour in unconditional love. Unconditional love, just appreciation and gratitude, cracking ourselves open. Unconditional love. And bask in that. I can feel it up here. I can feel the energy shift in the building. I can feel it, the collective consciousness, that unconditional love. It's beautiful. It's powerful. So while we're there with that, now I want you to think of an area in your life that's not working. Something finances, relationship, work, health, whatever it may be, I want you to pour that unconditional love into that experience. Take it right there. Shower it. Bless it all. Bless it all. Because it's all God. It's all good. Despite what you've labeled it. Bless it with your energy. The energy of unconditional love. It's powerful. You are the one. We are the ones we've been waiting for. So I'm going to invite you to Come back to the room. That probably took, in your own time, in your own way, just come on back. It's a beautiful thing. That probably took less than a minute and a half to do. Less than a minute and a half to do. That is shape-shifting practice. That is shape-shifting practice to transform the energetic, the consciousness that you and I are. I'm having trouble with my left hand right now a lot of pain, and I think it's just arthritis, but a lot of pain, and I'm used to being very physically active. And so what I realized from this exercise, because I've been affirming it, and I've had people uh, supporting me in prayer practice, but what I'm also doing with this practice, and Michael talks about it in his book, I realize that I have perfect health in my right hand. Pain-free. Wonderful. Beautiful. Pain-free. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm embodying this in that little practice I'm doing, and I'm, and I'm transferring it over to my left hand. I'm shifting the energy it's a simple little practice but why not because I don't believe in living in pain anybody here believe in living in pain struggle you think you were born to struggle see the problem is we, many times we say you think you were born to struggle you know some of us were conditioned to believe that if we weren't struggling we weren't, we weren't doing the, the, the holy thing the sacred thing when I found this teaching and somebody told me I didn't have to struggle I didn't have to give up my sins for any poor souls in purgatory any of that stuff relief because I wasn't doing too well praying for those guys getting them out of there never mind limbo and all the other stuff I couldn't keep it straight in my head I, I was in hell most of the time to realize that we are shape shifting its energy its energy Rumi used, to, Rumi used to talk about love all the time Rumi is a Sufi poet and what Rumi would say about love is that all forms of love are good. He would bless all of them. It didn't matter how limited the, the, the form of love was because he always felt like that, that love, the next level of love was available. If you're at a certain level of love, and it might not look very big. There's one more step you can take. And he celebrated all of it because ultimately all of it is back to source. Ultimately, all of it is that devotional peace to spirit. See, it's paradoxical because we come here and we know that if we set a new intention, we live our lives intentionally, and we decide that I'm going to embody these qualities, I'm going to dwell upon the nature of something. I'm going to dwell upon the nature of unconditional success in my life. I'm going to dwell upon the nature of, of living from my genius. I'm going to develop and, and, and contemplate and be transformed into being the best that I can possibly be and whatever my gifts and skills and talents are, unique and wonderful to me. When we affirm those things, we step into a deeper sense of love. And it's a love of self. It's an honoring a sense of love. But we interpret that many times as being selfish. Michael says we have to be crazy. We have to have crazy sanity. We have to be willing to step out of what the norms are, what people expect, how we measure a successful life and understand success. That's a very limited idea of what the culture will tell you that to have more and more and more and more and more and to be less and less and less happy. We can be happy and abundant. We can be happy and healthy and abundant. We can live in joy and celebration. We can, we can stand for a planet that works for everyone. We can live in a planet that, that has peace everywhere. We're so used to having wars everywhere, we just buy into it. We just buy into it. And as long as enough people keep buying into it collectively, we'll keep having them. We can, we can solve every medical problem that we have right now. We can solve AIDS. We can cure cancer. We can come up with everything. We can eliminate the mortality rate for infants. We can make sure everybody has enough food on this planet. But if the consciousness doesn't shift, we will create another epidemic. We will create another problem because we don't feel we deserve. And we've got to knock it off. Because God's gifts are waiting to be received. And we stand so stubbornly and keep saying, I don't deserve, I'm not good enough. So let's heal that. If that's where you are... Well, when we did this uh, uh, secret thing, the secret of... The, the secret explained the first week of that after Michael Beckwith we, we had a class we offered to, some, to the new folks to bring him in and a number of people said you know I've been doing this work and all of a sudden things are happening you know I was asking for a good job and all of a sudden the job showed up and it's freaking me out I was looking for the, the RPM the right and perfect mate and she showed up that's scaring the hell out of me we pray for it and pray for it. And if the consciousness isn't there to say, bring it on, bring it on. More good, more good. Yeah, I'll have that too. Mm, yep, here we go. We show up with a little sand pail. We get a, you know, it's like going out on Halloween. You get a, a Hershey bar in there, a couple of the twisters, the, the red twisters, and some Tootsie Rolls, and you're full. You're heading home. Man, you need to bring a, a bed sheet with you, sewed up on both ends, just drag it down the street. I'm telling you. It does not serve anyone to play small. And I know it's a, it's, a, it's a silly metaphor, but I'm talking about energetically. I'm just talking about being so clear about who and what you are and being willing to be transformed into that. Whatever it takes, God, I'm here, and you can have all of it. You can have all of it because I know that whatever, whatever I put down and open myself up to, it is going to be so sweet and so powerful and so wonderful. I can't even imagine. I can't even describe it. But we keep standing around saying, oh, I, I prayed for a, a parking spot at Safeway, and I got it, and I don't even know if I should pull in there. <laughs> How much love can you accept? So I'm going to bring Jordan up here. This, Rumi is one of my favorite people. Rumi was a lo- The Sufis are the lovers of God, and there's a devotional chant I want to play with you and share. It's very short, but it's just a wonderful, sweet thing. I've been practicing, driving Laura at home crazy for the last month and a half playing it. And I want you to sing along with me. Hey, buddy, we're tangled. The door, the, 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 the chord dance. We're dosey doing, bowing to our partners. Sweet. That could have got really ugly. Somebody could have got hurt there. All right. Beautiful. It's called Sacred. I'm going to ask you to sing it with me. It's So Sacred, So Secret, So Precious, This Love. So sacred, so secret, so precious, this love. I will share, I will share, I will share this love. Did you want to come on up and sing with us? Wait, get another voice in here?
1: So sacred, so secret So precious, this love So sacred, so secret So precious, this love Now the man So sacred, so secret so precious this love I will share I will share This love, so So sacred, sacred, so secret, so So precious. precious. This love, keep it going. So sacred,
0: it is your love. It lives within each and every one of us. This
1: This love,
0: it is endless, bottomless. So, see, you showed up with it. So precious. This love, and what are we going to do with it? I will
1: share.
0: This week, set the intention. Where can you share that love? Silently and powerfully and beautifully. When we read the newspaper, it is a call for love. When we watch people that are freaking out about the H1N1 vaccine, it is a call for love. Wherever it is, wherever you see fear, it is a call for love. And it is, you have the power and the wisdom and the clarity within you, and I do as well. And it is so sacred. It is so secret, and it is so precious. And all we need to do is be willing. So bless you. I love you. Thank you for sharing your love. So it is.